0: So in today's reading, St. Paul says something very, very interesting uh, about this, this thorn in the flesh. To stop me from getting too proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me and to stop me from getting too proud. About this, I have pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me, but he has said, my grace is enough for you, my power is at its best in weakness. Okay, it's very difficult for us to see things from God's perspective because, not sure if you knew this, but we're not God. So because we're not God, it's very hard for us to see things as he sees them, okay? So we see things, we have a very, very limited perspective. We're limited by what we can understand. We're limited by our short lifespan. We're limited by the fact that we, in, intelligence-wise, we, we can't, it's gonna be very difficult for us to grasp uh, everything that's going on, like from God's perspective, you know. So, what is God's perspective? Well, ultimately, God's perspective is that all of creation, everything that exists and everything that He allows, is to help us to get to heaven. Eternal life is what matters. Okay, so all these other things don't—they they, they pass. They, they, they're not really important. Which isn't to say that God is is indifferent, and we should be entirely stoic and just uh, indifferent to the world around us. That's 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 not what we're saying at all. Uh, but just, it's just to keep in mind what the end game is, what, what the, the goal of everything is. The goal of everything is heaven. Okay? If, we, if, if we lose sight of that, uh, if, if we start to focus maybe on other things here on earth, that the goal of everything, for example, is happiness. The problem with this now, if you say for the goal of everything, the goal of our existence is happiness here on earth. Now it's very, very difficult to make God look good because you'll say well if if the goal of everything is good well, then the goal, the goal of everything is happiness then god is bad why because god allows storms and cancer and viruses and poverty and wars and pestilence and so if the goal of everything is happiness here on earth then as i say like the, the, the goodness of god starts to starts to unravel because well why would he allow all these things suffering in general any any bereavement that you've been through God becomes the problem and the, the, the opposite. Well, he, he's blamed for being the, opposite, the, the obstacle to my happiness. I would have been happy if this person or that person didn't get cancer. I would have been happy if I didn't have this physical ailment or this limitation. God gave all this to me. It's God's fault. That is typically diabolical, just so you know. That's really like straight out of, that's a, a thought straight out of hell. Um to try and etch away at the goodness of God. God doesn't love you. God isn't. God doesn't care. God isn't father. God is absent. God is distant, far away, powerful, but not interested in you. That's straight out of hell. That, that idea, and I, it's, it's, it's horrific. Because, it, and also it's quite common. It's quite common for people to, to, to look at their lives, look at the bad things that have happened and say, where was God? He's not good. He doesn't care. So either he's not powerful, not powerful enough to help, or powerful but doesn't care, doesn't care enough to help. Either way, I oh, want nothing to do with him. You know, it's just, so this, these are really dangerous, really, really dangerous thoughts. So we have to kind of step back a second and go, hold on, what's, what, what is God's goal in this? What is God's plan in everything? Well, it's to get us to heaven, to get us to heaven. Now, if, if the perspective is eternal life, what if, Crosses along the way actually help me. Now some of them, it's a difficult thought to to explain briefly because some crosses, it'll be obvious how they can help me. Other crosses will not be obvious how they help me. We believe that we will understand it from from heaven's perspective, but here it can be difficult to understand. But let's look at a few examples. St. Paul talks about, a Thorn in the flesh to stop him getting proud. To stop him becoming proud. So say, for example, St. Paul didn't have this. Now, we don't know what it is. We don't need to presume it's a sexual temptation. We don't know. It's often presumed to be that. But he doesn't say, so we don't know. Uh, but imagine like, if we had all the gifts that we wanted. Okay? So you look amazing. And you're super smart. And you're super athletic. And your face doesn't sag at all. And your hair never changes color. And you've got perfectly, what are we supposed to have, tanned skin, Latin American skin, right? And everything looks fantastic. We look amazing. We have it all. Do you know, all the girls want to be with us, all the guys want to be us, whatever it may be. Whatever, who cares? Those, that kind of idea, right? Okay. So you'd say blessed. you seem really blessed. <laughs> now, stand back a sec and see this from heaven's perspective. From, heavens, from the perspective of eternal life, does it matter that your eyebrows are perfect? Does it matter that you have the perfect weight proportional to your height? Does it matter that you've got really good fashion sense? Does it matter that your average intelligence, super intelligence, does it actually matter? Does any of that really matter at all? And in fact, if anything, what if these gifts start to get in the way? What if because I'm super attractive and have all these younger girls coming after me and my wife is kind of eh, well you know what I mean bless her she's great like but she's not exactly 20 anymore you know and you know so because now I'm super successful and famous and desirable what if I start to kind of veer away from my from fidelity in marriage well then it's actually better it would be better for my soul for my family and from the perspective of heaven that I didn't have these good looks it would be better that yeah, I won't go into describing what a person should look like if they're average. Uh, it would be better that I wasn't super attractive. It would actually be a gift. It would actually be a blessing. If if all of these gifts actually start to lead me away from heaven, it's better I don't have them. Okay, so that's kind of not having something. What about having an actual cross? When, when an actual cross comes our way, a bad diagnosis, diagnosis of cancer, diagnosis of some sort of leukemia, uh, bereavement in the family, like, like proper difficult crosses, um, you might know families like maybe who have a, a child who has Down syndrome or something, great, great kids but it, it's, a, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work, or a uh, child with autism, again, wonderful kids, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, you have, to, you, have to, you have to take care of them, you have to take care of them, again which is a great privilege but at the same time it's, it's not straightforward, like it's not, uh, it requires an awful lot of giving, from the perspective of the parents i mean you have to you have to there was a program on there a while ago um it was one of these renovated uh, house renovation programs where they were getting a house ready for a couple that had twin boys who had uh, a rare kind of a disease where the um skull the plates in the skull don't grow fast enough they fuse together too early i think it is so then the brain doesn't have enough room to to develop so it starts to push everything out so the eyes bulge, the, si- the sinuses kind of close up because there isn't enough room, the brain is after pushing down into the sinus. And um, so one of the kids has autism and severe learning difficulties and all sorts of problems, but because of this, like the parents are on duty 24-7, literally, that the kids don't choke because their sinuses are all blocked up. So, and then feeding is, you know, it, it was heroic, absolutely heroic to watch these two parents, what they had to do. So. The, the program there was about just uh, kind of extending their, their back lawn to make it all on the same level uh, child friendly so that the kids wouldn't hurt themselves but like the parents they they, they, they described the story and uh, you know with tears they said like it's just uh, how old were how old the kids uh, they were maybe eight seven, eight I think and uh, they were saying how oh, it's you know look I mean we we love them both we love them dearly but it's uh, it's you're con- and even during the interview, you still see the, you still see them kind of, you know, check that they're all okay, because I mean, they, are so used to checking constantly. The kids don't hurt themselves, or, or as I say, joke or whatever maybe. So they were just exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And you see how, how, this this cross in their lives, right? I'm not sure if they are people of faith who didn't come up in the in, in the program, but what it did reveal in their hearts was a selfless, self-giving love that I'm not sure that those parents even knew that they were capable of. Okay, it kind of, it, it kind of if you will, broke open their hearts to love to the absolute nth degree. They, they spent every day loving, serving, cleaning, uh, doing everything that they needed. So that their two boys would have life, would be fed, would be happy, would be protected. So this cross has now made that couple more like Christ than we could ever imagine. Christ on the cross, emptying his life for love of us. Now these parents emptying their lives for love of their kids. So they're they're becoming transformed into love. They're becoming like God. If we're going to take on his nature, be divinized in heaven, heaven, remember? Sharing God's nature. Then that cross has actually helped them get there. And these two kids, however long they live we, we don't know, but their, the help of God will get to heaven and will in their glorified bodies will thank their parents for all eternity. So what looks like a family that has been forgotten by God is actually being prepared for heaven. See, this, this is not human logic. And from the enemy's perspective, he will point the finger at God and say, what did, you, what did they ever do to deserve this? From God's perspective. Again, there's a difference between his permissive will and his perfect will. God doesn't want suffering. But he can turn this suffering into a good. So that this, these, these four people, the two parents and, and the two children, actually there's, there's, a little, and there's another, there was another brother there as well, uh, that, they, they, uh, that they can all experience what it means to love. To love until it hurts we meeting a couple of other families, like where there was a, a family member uh, who has, you know, Down syndrome or, or, or some sort of a, a, a difficulty like that, and you see in the family how how it makes them so selfless, because everyone else in the family they, they have to take care of their little brother or sister, they have to make sure they're okay, they have to keep an eye on them, they have to, you know, if they're going out cycling, there so has to be someone there. So it makes the, makes everyone kind of so selfless not focused on self but focused on on the other loving so uh, our crosses our crosses can be a blessing much more than we know they can prevent us from sinning because at times I mean maybe for myself if I was super at absolutely everything maybe I'd just be just plain cocky (laughs) Uh, which would be an awful characteristic of a priest Uh, I can definitely be humbler I definitely can something I always hesitate to pray for Lord, make me more humble, because you know how you become more humble through humiliations. And hands up, who likes humiliations? <laughs> but uh, so I, I could definitely be humbler. But I think if the, if, if if I had had more of the, the the gifts that I I think I'd want, maybe I'd just become arrogant. So it's better that the Lord leaves me leaves me as I am. And I think then as as we show the Lord that we're capable of carrying these gifts without becoming arrogant, then he can give us more. And he can give us more. As long as I show I'm capable of carrying what he has given me without it becoming a danger to my eternal salvation. And then if God doesn't give it to me, say for example... I mentioned something before, you know, but I said I'd love to have a better memory, to remember people's stories, because, you know, I, I meet a lot of people and I'd love to be able to, to see someone who I haven't seen in four years and remember everything that they told me about their family situation and, and their kids and sons and daughters and whatever, everything that's going on. Uh, I'd like to remember more. I'd love to remember more of scripture. I'd love to be able to quote a chapter and verse much. much I have to work hard to try and stuff these things into my, my very forgetful brain. Um, but then, yeah two things, one uh, if I was, if I did have a super memory would I just become arrogant about it and two, if I want that gift am I willing to put in the effort now so if you want these things if you want to have a better memory for scripture, what are you doing now to learn scripture and then if you show that you're willing to to use the, the, the limited gift you have now to remember these things, to do these things then God can trust you with more God can trust you with more And then you're showing him and you're showing yourself that everything that you've been given is for his greater glory, not for you. My grace is enough for you. And my power is at its best in weakness. It's not when we're super capable and super rich and super intelligent that then everything is fine and we're blessed. It's in fact when we recognize our need when we recognize that we don't have it all together when we recognize that before god or even before any of the problems that we might have to face we're so small and because of that we need god's grace if i live life like that constantly saying lord lord i need you i don't have this together i don't have everything i need but i have you and if i have you i have enough because you are everything You are everything I need. If this is my attitude, it doesn't matter that my face is sagging and my hair is gray. I'm not as strong or as intelligent or as whatever rich as I used to be. Those kind of things just don't matter at all. It just doesn't matter. I'm getting ready for heaven. And so then we can actually say, like, that's when I'm weak, that I'm strong. Because the weaker I am, the more I count on God, who is infinitely strong. So the weaker I am, the more I count on God who is infinitely strong. And if I do that, then I lack nothing. I lack nothing. So let us not worry. Our gospel today was all about not worrying. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that the truth? So... We ask the good Lord to guide us today into this this place of peace, a place where we recognize that our needs are actually a blessing, that our inability can actually draw us closer to the Lord. Just to finish with one thought, which was actually supposed to be the homily, uh, St. Louis-Marie de Montfort writes about those who consecrate themselves to Our Lady. He says, They who are consecrated to her, she fills with her grace, she crowns with her merits, she enlightens with her light, she inflames with her love, and she grants them her virtue, her virtue, proportional to the measure in which the soul belongs to her. The more we belong to Our Lady, the more she grants us her grace, merits, her light, her love, the more we belong to her. So we ask Our Lady today to guide us to the heart of her son and to open our eyes to recognize the blessing of the cross.